Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store. I'm Rebecca Roberts. Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got Five Minutes, the PR, comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked about at an event or while making a brew in the office. Hi Harriet, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm all right, thanks. We're starting bold. We're going to talk about Birmingham City and I'm not just doing this because I'm a Villa fan. I feel like I need to just caveat that, but what the hell were they thinking with that job that they posted for free for a year? Discuss. I mean... One a whole year's placement, unpaid, and yet the job description looks like a job description for not even an entry level comms role. I think even like the next level up from an entry level comms role. And I was just like, this is just mental taking the piss. Cards on the table. I've actually been offered a job at Birmingham City before when I was working at West Brom, and it was a marketing job, but that was actually paid. But what I would say in the particularly in football because clubs are places where a lot of people want to work there is a lot of issue in terms of like salary bans like considering footballers get paid so much and there is so much money in sports like football the behind the scenes staff often don't get recognized particularly at that early level and particularly in jobs like media and i would link comms to that with organizations people want to work for there is a lot of taking advantage of and i think for young people considering like this past week youth unemployment's at the highest it's been for a significant time and I think young people are feeling particularly worried about their future and careers and to have a job an internship for a year where a young person has got to live near the city got to be able to get into that club and expect to do all that I think it's pretty disgraceful who's going to be able to afford that they're probably going to have to a live with their parents or their parents going to have to be paying their rent and bills so it increases the divide in terms of social class but the other thing as well is that person how are they supposed to feel valued and like they're even part of the team so even team dynamics and cohesion let's go for a coffee oh no because they ain't got no money let's go for lunch well how are they going to do that there's things like apprenticeships out there where people are getting paid there is the government's scheme the kickstarter scheme people can get paid on that i don't understand why you would put out a full year's worth of placement and not be paying them anything And the other thing, I remember like when I used to be a magazine journalist and I was just starting out and doing a lot of internships, majority of them were paid expenses and I would have to work in the evenings. The thing that really, really frustrated me about this job was that the person was expected to work weekends and extended hours. So even if they wanted to take on a part-time job, which I'm not justifying, but even if they wanted to do that, they couldn't do that because of the nature of the role. Yeah, and look, I, you know, I've talked about like careers in sport before, and I'm from a privileged position that I wrote to loads of clubs, and you know, got contacts to try and do like a bit of work experience or work free or like shadow someone. And I did a couple of free things. I did the BBC local news kind of a work experience thing that was a structured almost a week, um, and I was lucky I could stay with my parents and do that. But at the same time advertising it for a year is not acceptable and what I'm seeing quite a lot in the states again because of the youth marketing stuff I do 
some of these high profile organisations are asking young people to pay for placement opportunities because they know it's really great in the CV. So again, you're getting this divide, in, particularly in sectors like sport, like music and film and, and things that people think are really competitive and to get into. Like you said before, it's that increasing the divide between who's accessing these career routes. And I think that's what's really sad about the Birmingham City stuff. There is a podcast called This Is Uncomfortable. It's um, a Bloomberg one. It's really, really interesting. And they look at the dynamics around money and relationships and, and how money affects relationships and people's lives. And there is an episode on there where they have a young lady on there who's talking about her experience of working in fashion and most especially journalism. And she talks about how she sort of worked, she saved up for quite a long time and then she got an internship with a magazine and she was working in the fashion cupboards. And it was literally like non-stop all day. And I've worked in fashion and beauty cupboards and they are not easy. Like literally you're lugging clothes, you're packing clothes, clothes are in, out for shoots. And she talks about how a bag went missing and one of the editors had taken the bag home and they'd look for this bag everywhere. And the person who was actually responsible, so the editor in terms of the fashion editor, ended up letting her take the fall considering she's an unpaid employee she ended up taking the fall and after all that time of working there she never even got a good recommendation to go and work somewhere else so there is also no guarantee that even after doing these internships and doing these placements if you want to call them that in air quotes that you will be employed by these people or by the industry that you have interned for yeah I know I've heard a few horror stories from like the media world where people have worked and I won't name it, places where they've been treated like, you know, you see the Devil Wears Prada and that kind of attitude and like, but been treated like they are worthless, like nothing. And it's really affected their confidence. And I think, you know, one person I know took a total side step out of that career path because it affected them so much. And I think that's what you have to be really mindful of. Like, what are you telling that person that they're just not even worth a salary for a year? But yeah, they got some significant heat online. So um, not a great PR week at the villa. So for our five minutes this week, we are talking about marketing to the over 60s because they are a group that, you know, we talk about, you know, aging populations and it's just something that's, I guess, in every kind of marketing book that you could get, to be honest. But the over 60s are just not that visible when it comes to kind of marketing. What do you think, Harriet? This is a topic I'm quite interested in. So back in the day when people cared about Clubhouse, we did a room about about marketing to over 60s. February was wild. <laughs> I know. We did a we did a room about marketing to over sixties. And one of the things that we talked about from my point of view is that you don't have a lot of campaigns where the audience is segmented in terms of age and race and social class. So the adverts that we see on TV, I don't watch much daytime TV because even though I'm working from home, I don't get that luxury. But the adverts you tend to see on TV for over sixties is the life insurance funeral cover cruises and support in terms of things like stair lifts and and that kind of thing and then maybe a couple of mattress adverts but there's nothing that really goes beyond that and then all the people that you see featured in that are normally white people pretty middle class who live in nice rural villages so it's very kind of generic most companies and most brands have always followed the same script yeah, I agree. Last year it was estimated like that 13 countries are going to be 
you know, they were super aged. So more than 20% of the population are aged over 65 or older. And when you think about it, like, you know, and I've looked at kind of like home dynamics and how long people are staying at home now and all the rest of it, because it's expensive to buy your own place. But like people are staying younger for longer. So they're working for longer, but there's kind of generally speaking, not not all there is a, a social divide there, but most people are have longer lives. And that whole phase of retirement is uh, sort of seen as a phase, not an end of life now. So people have different activities. Like if you're even thinking about like how digitally literate over 60s are compared to say even 15 years ago, you have people who've used computers in their work life. They've got laptops, they've got smartphones, they're sort of spending online. But they've all accelerated because of the pandemic. So I think, you know, it is a market not to be ignored. What's interesting you know, they, they sort of project that kind of over adult market to be worth about $15 trillion a year now, like, which is massive. A lot of them will have lived at a time where it is more, has been more affordable for them to have their own property. So a lot of them have had pension plans that we could only dream about. They've brought a lot younger than a lot of us have, all that kind of stuff. So financially wise, you could draw a real line between kind of younger people and older people in terms of that economic split, which I think is really interesting. And there's lots of stats on that around like that predicts how you vote now. Like so political parties really play to that older audience. Like you'll see that with youth funding cuts. They're less important. They're not going to vote Tory. Therefore, we'll cut that budget. I'm simplifying it, obviously. But And the, the other book I mentioned the other week, but Brandsplaining, there's a whole section about the older woman and about how she's not seen. You know, Helen Mirren has been like, the face of older women <laughs> like for a decade like that's it and they were saying that actually that it's the high fashion brands that are doing a better job now like and if you look at chanel if you look at rolex they're starting to use older women in those adverts you know women are working just as long as men if not longer at times they have been the decision maker for a lot of purchase power in the home throughout kind of family living but a lot of them quite independently as well so now you're seeing quite a different change in the market which I just think is interesting that I guess a lot of brands just haven't caught up with yeah the the luxury brands are sort of way ahead in terms of thinking about it if you think about but also I think there is an issue with which older women are being presented as acceptable in terms of lifestyle and beauty because for example if you think about Angela Bassett she is an incredible actress She's in us. She's just turned sixty. She's about sixty-three, but she doesn't feature on any major campaigns, and she's an icon. So it's like which women are chosen. It's that kind of thing as well. And also, something people need to bear in mind is that people of that age are quite civic-minded a lot of times, but then the engagement doesn't sort of steer towards them. So that there's the local engagement. It's sort of like, will we? We'll talk to you because you're going to moan about the traffic in the area, not necessarily talking to them about things like fostering or talking to them about how they can get involved in children's social care or even in other things that government and local government do. And I think that's missing something because they sometimes they do have more time. They have more time to volunteer. They have more time to give their skills. And, you know, I don't know whether you remember that Channel 4 programme that they did, um, Lodgers and Codgers, where they paired older people and younger people together to live together and talk about property. And, and you could see that mentoring relationship going on. And there's a campaign I saw last year by a company called Ripens and they do intimate moisturisers. You can go and Google that for yourself. But it was said sex never gets old. And their insight on that campaign was that most marketing tends to feature only about 6.2% of over 65s in their ads. And yet they make up 17.7% of the population. So there's this huge 
part of the population that we're ignoring in terms of marketing. So this ad actually won a couple of awards and it was actually really, really good. And then I also think about the Tesco food love stories. They've used some people from the older generation as well. And they haven't used them in a sense of they are, you know, old and frail and it's like your great grandmother coming for dinner. But they've used them in a sense that they're telling a life story. They're cooking, they're able-bodied. So they've got the one with the older Caribbean lady who's been a foster carer. And then she's cooking for some of the young people that she's been looking after. They've got the one of the couple who are older, but they're still active. And the lady wakes up in the morning and she thinks, no, the man wakes up in the morning and cooks for his wife, who's quite sick in bed. And they're just nice stories, but they've used people who are not in the sense like, at that age where they need a walker to portray that story. And I think that's really heartening. And also there's the um, Cadbury's one, the dairy milk one, where the the kids throw the the dairy milk over the wall to the man who lives on the other side. And I think it's those kind of adverts, or even the one where the kids go and visit their granddad after COVID. It's those kind of adverts that we need to see more of. But I think also it's showing that older people have fulfilling lives, not just that they're all lonely and miserable and depressed. Yeah, I think there's a lot of parallels between how we treat young people and old people. So like we banned youth as like one homogenous big group, but we see that also I think for the over 60s as well. And it's really interesting because actually that older market, so 55 plus, as well as the youth market, have been the most affected by employment over the past 18 months. So you've kind of got this arc in terms of unemployment. And that is because of like how they're sort of, you know, first and last out or seen as disposable, well, the near retirements will do. And it's again, projecting and telling and assuming. And just like how I would advocate like, well, look, if you're looking at young people, you would do focus groups and you'd understand the nuances and the differences between different groups. And like all young people don't feel the same about things. Obviously, it's an audience group. But I think again, with the over 60s, well, why wouldn't you be doing that? Because not all of them want to be seen as, you know, grandparents and knitting like like you say like they a lot of them will want to talk about sex lives and and partying and interestingly you know, i think about the this girl can campaign and this decision to use girls and when women were asked older women were asked how what they talked about to their friends and how they talk about them they say well i've been out with the girls and that's how they talk about girls they don't see it as like well i must say i've been out with the mature ladies like and it's just things like that in terms of wording and like being a bit more in tune with how people see themselves so that program that Davina McCall did on menopause was really fascinating as well because again that's something that affects all women but it's not really talked about it still seems a taboo and back to that Bransplaining book it's like when older women have been featured in things like even that Bond film where there was like the oldest Bond girl you know and isn't she amazing it's, she's been like praised for how youthful she looks despite being old and so even like the mere sight of someone growing old it's either we kind of just don't see them it's like they become this old person and it's kind of normalising that. Like Keanu Reeves, his partner, you know, she has had like loads of trolling about how older she looks. She's just a woman who is the same age, you know, similar age to her partner who's got grey hair and embraced it. It's like that is seen as like societal norms about beauty. There's a bigger issue there, not just how marketers are, but I think we should be challenging ourselves with those campaigns about how we speak to people because it's a real turn-off if assumptions are made about you. I remember going for... This is probably one of the last events I went to just before we went into lockdown. But it was a women in communications event and they had someone from GSK there. And she was talking about when she worked on denture campaigns. And she was saying the attitude towards older women wearing dentures and also how that would present in an advert is very different from the attitude around older men who wear dentures and how that would present to people. And on some of the focus groups, when they had an older man and maybe somebody who's slightly younger than him, he was seen as the silver fox. 
and um, he was viewed in a in a sort of what kind of way can I say in a way where he's more attractive and, and more desirable whereas the woman was looked at as like a cougar and oh my god she's got dentures I can't you know kiss her and it's those kind of attitudes you even see it on social media you know there's those older men who have Instagram accounts they're really stylish but they get so much attention they get so much fanfare and yet there's so many women out there who are incredibly stylish who are much older incredibly beautiful but they don't get the same amount of attention, the same amount of fanfare and, and everything else. So it's it's that perception and that attitude as well that needs to change. Thanks for joining us. And everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes. We're talking about the questions and issues that matter to you. So DM us on social or get in touch with Harriet at commsovercoffee.com or myself, Rebecca, at threadandfable.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe so others can find us and have five minutes with us. Find us on Twitter at RebeccaRobert7 or at HarrietSmallsy. Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store.